If you will, please turn in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 1. Last Lord's Day, we ended the first major section of our study of the book of Proverbs by finishing a series of messages entitled, Bad Company Corrupts Good Morals, or Don't Hang with the Wrong Crowd. And we saw that principally coming to us from Proverbs chapter 1, verses 8 to 19. We find ourselves this morning in a new section which brings to us also a new theme to consider. And that particular theme I've entitled, How to Be a Wise Guy, or Wisdom for the Ages. And if you noticed in the Lord's Day Bulletin, there are a number of passages which speak to this theme from the book of Proverbs. You have, for instance, Proverbs chapter 1, beginning in verse 20, and running through this theme all the way to chapter 4. And then, skipping another theme or two, we come to this same theme of wisdom in chapters 8 and 9. And then, of course, there are several selected Proverbs which also speak about this matter of wisdom. And so what I thought would be helpful and beneficial for us this morning, rather than just digging right into Proverbs chapter 1, verses 20 to 33, and then trying to capably go through chapter 2, and then 3 and 4, and then 8 and 9, I thought it best to give us this morning an overview of what I'm planning in this teaching series on wisdom, how to be a wise guy. And I thought the best way to do that would be to come up with a loose outline of all of these chapters of Proverbs that would help us come to grips with the matter of wisdom. It is so broad. It is so wide. It is so expansive this matter of wisdom from the biblical text, and that only from the Proverbs. And I found myself, as I read these sections again and again, coming to the place myself where I needed to have some kind of handle, some grips in which I could take the task of understanding the matter of wisdom and understand it in the way that I think is best. Because you see, my dear friends, wisdom is one of the greatest themes in all of the Bible. This matter of biblical wisdom is one of the greatest pursuits that any believer could pursue. For to pursue God's wisdom is really to pursue Him. To fear the Lord is to begin acquiring this wisdom of God. You might have seen that from our study in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. It's almost as though with verses 1 to 6 of Proverbs chapter 1 being a, a, a title, a statement, a beginning, an introduction, that Proverbs 1, 7 is the overall statement of the entire set of Proverbs that we have 
recorded for us. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, the beginning of knowledge. And in fact, because this theme of wisdom runs all the way from Proverbs chapter 1 through Proverbs chapter 9, this fear of the Lord is also mentioned in Proverbs chapter 9. Look at it with me. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. It's almost as though Solomon wants to bracket all that he says about wisdom by these two statements. Proverbs 1, 7, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. All the way to the bracket at the end, Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. What Solomon wants us to know is that biblical wisdom is not a theoretical kind of knowledge. It's a wisdom based on God's Word. And it's for the purpose of giving man what he needs in order to respond rightly to life. It's the wisdom that we must have that gives us what we must know in order to know what we must do. It's a discerning wisdom which allows a person to distinguish between right and wrong. It is the very kind of wisdom, however, that is opposite of what we are told today and what we see in our world as those who define the essence of wisdom. Much of today's wisdom is abstract, disconnected from morality. That's not at all like it was to the Hebrews. To the Jews, wisdom was connected with life itself. There was no Greek idea, no Greek concept that you could have knowledge for knowledge's sake. There was no sense of believing and knowing and discerning who God is and then that never affecting your life. That was totally foreign to them. So when they would say something like, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is to know God, to discern the sayings of understanding. It would be for them what it means to live their life every day and every day of their life. That's not how we have it today. And that's why the Proverbs are so important for us. That's why this particular theme, how to be a wise person, is so important for us. Because we see in our world today every bit the definition of wisdom, of knowledge, of understanding as detached from our doing. If you don't believe me, just hearken back to just a few months, even years ago, when all of the problems and issues were surrounding President Clinton. And how many times did you hear on a talk show, how many times did you hear someone say, maybe even in your own conversations with people, look, as long as he does his job, morality is not an issue. How many of you heard that statement uttered, probably in different ways, but that's the essence of it. As long as he fulfills his duty as the president, as long as he is our chief leader, as long as he does what he does in the Oval Office that helps our country be strong and secure, then what difference does his morality make to you and me? Well, of course, I would respond by saying there is no leadership apart from a moral leader. 
There is no morality apart from a person being the kind of leader that leads both in his decision-making as far as a country or a church or a government is concerned that is not also a leader who makes the moral leadership by his integrity of life. By what he says publicly and by how he behaves privately. So if you hear a ringing theme as a sub-theme of this idea of how to be a wise person, where that theme says it is morality, it is life principles, it is not just theory, then you will understand well where I'm headed and where the Bible is headed in this regard. Because there is no leadership, there is no character apart from the morality of leadership and character. Character is the issue. Because it affects not only the way you live, but the way you lead. It not only affects who you are, but it affects what people think of you. And that's what Solomon wants his son to know. And when we come to a place of understanding this wisdom, we need to understand what it looks like. How can I practically see this? I mean, it would be one thing for me to exposit chapter 1, verse 20, all the way through, skipping a couple of themes in the middle, and then coming back to it in chapters 8 and 9, and I could give you wisdom verse after wisdom verse after wisdom verse, and ultimately it may be that all of you, myself included, would say, how can I understand in bite-sized doses what this wisdom is that I'm supposed to inculcate in my life? What does it look like? How can I practically see it? Well, I want to give you that this morning just as an overarching theme, an overarching way to understand this great theme of wisdom. And I'm going to give you six principles, six great principles out of these chapters describing each chapter in its own thematic way how to acquire this wisdom. Let's talk about the first one. Let's call it the warning of wisdom. The warning of wisdom. That's verses 20 through 33 of chapter 1. Now what I'm going to do, of course, as I go through all of these chapters is to do a bit of an exhortation with you as we work our way through the chapter. And of course, this morning, I'm not going to be able to dig down into the details of any one of these. I'm going to exhort you by way of general principles underneath the theme of each of these principles. And I want you to notice what they are. And the first is the warning of wisdom. How does wisdom warn us? What does wisdom tell us about ourselves and what to avoid. Look at chapter 1, verse 20. Wisdom shouts in the street. She lifts her voice in the square. Stop right there. One of the things that I want you to realize is that in the book of Proverbs, often wisdom is spoken of as a person. And I don't think it's lost on me and it shouldn't be lost on you that when you're really talking about someone who's wise, you're talking about a woman. That was a joke. Because, men, if we really want to admit it, especially those of us who are married, great wisdom comes from ladies. Now, we may have a little bit of it, 
and we may be called and commanded to have a lot of it. But it seems to me that there are a lot of ladies out there who have a lot of great wisdom, and I don't think it's lost on me or you, nor should it be, that when wisdom is personified, it's personified as a woman. It's almost as though a very, very wise woman who personifies this great wisdom comes up to you personally and begins talking to you. And the Bible says, wisdom shouts in the street. She lifts her voice in the square. At the head of the noisy streets, she cries out. At the entrance of the gates in the city, she utters her sayings. And one of the things that just hit me right as I discover this warning of wisdom right up front is that wisdom doesn't say anything on a silent level. Wisdom doesn't go to some corner somewhere. Wisdom shouts out. Wisdom is telling us in the most certain terms that what we ought to do is understand it in the public places. Notice, at the head of the noisy streets, she cries out. At the entrance of the gates in the city, she utters her sayings. Uh, this is no backdoor wisdom giving. This is right out in the open. This is telling us that wisdom is to be acquired in a very public place. In verse 22, How long, O naive ones? This is actually the message. This is what wisdom, this wise lady, is telling us. How long, O naive ones, will you love being simple-minded? And this is where we come into the warning. This is what wisdom warns us to avoid. It warns us to avoid being naive, to be simple-minded. And scoffers delight themselves in scoffing, and fools hate knowledge. In other words, wisdom is warning us, not in a back door, not in a back room, not in some desert, not in an away place, but right out in front, right out in the streets, right at the head of the city gates. And it tells us, don't be naive. Don't be like the scoffers who delight themselves in scoffing. Don't be like fools who hate knowledge. And then wisdom says, verse 23, Turn to my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my Spirit on you. I will make my words known to you. Wisdom is readily available. It wants to communicate directly with you if you will just see it and be reproved. And then wisdom says, I've already been speaking to you, haven't I? Because, verse 24, I called. In other words, there, there's been a transaction before. There's been discussion. There's been dialogue. There's been warning before. I called and you refused. Hence the need for reproof. In other words, someone doesn't have to really, really listen long until they realize in their own sinfulness that they are a fool, they do hate knowledge, they do scoff at the truth, they are simple-minded, they are naive, and wisdom has been calling all along. And we haven't been listening. But it says, if you would just turn, that means repent. If, if you would just acknowledge the situation, I will pour out my Spirit on you. In other words, I'll pour out the manifold wisdom that I have on you. I'll make my words known to you. In other words, I'll illumine your minds with wisdom. 
and I'll do it continually because I called and I have been calling and you refused. I stretched out my hand and no one paid attention and you neglected all my counsel and didn't want my reproof. And then, of course, if someone goes so long, so far in rejecting such wisdom, rejecting such reproof, wisdom as though it were a person who is mocking at the calamity of a person, says in verse 26, I, if you do not turn, will also laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your dread comes. In other words, I warned you, I warned you, I warned you, I warned you, and you didn't listen, you didn't heed wisdom, you didn't take the advice, and utterly when you are coming to a place of desolation, of being destroyed, of having great calamity, I'll laugh and mock when your dread comes because you didn't listen to me. When distress and anguish come upon you, your calamity like a whirlwind. In other words, it's going to be chaotic. It's going to be like a tornado through your life. And when that comes, I'll be there saying, you should have listened to me. You should have heeded what I told you. Then verse 28, then after all that anguish, after this whirlwind of activity, after this chaotic situation, then when you're going under for the third time, then they will call on me. Do you see that? In other words, when a person is right at their last breath, when they've not been reproved, when they have have argued against this wisdom, when they've said, I'm not going to hear it, I'm not going to answer, I'm going to live my own life, I'm going to have my own wisdom, I'm going to go my own way, and then when all of this chaos happens in your life, then and only then they will call upon me, but I will not answer. You see, that's wisdom's warning. That's saying, you better take my wisdom now. Don't delay. Don't say, oh, there's another day. Don't say to yourself, I can handle it. I can do this. Then you'll call on wisdom, but wisdom will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but wisdom they will not find. Why? Because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They, they would not accept my counsel. They spurned all of my wise reproof. So they shall eat of the fruit of their own way and be satiated with their own devices. In other words, wisdom is going to say as it warns, look, you want your own way? You're making your own choices? Have at it. Be satiated with your own stuff. All of that which you thought was best, all of that which you thought was the way, it isn't the way. Now you know it's not the way, and yet I'm going to give you your way. You wouldn't accept my counsel. You spurned all my reproof, so you'll eat the fruit of your own wicked devices. Verse 32, For the waywardness of the naive will kill them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But he who listens to me shall live securely and will be at ease from the dread of evil. Well, that's a tremendous warning. That is a warning to all of us. That is a warning especially to those who are naive and foolish and scoffing and hating knowledge. In other words, that's a warning for those who don't know Jesus Christ. That's a warning for those who are continually smug and complacent in their own wisdom. And yet this is a very clear warning about the rejection of wisdom. There's a second 
major idea under this theme of wisdom. Let's call it the work of wisdom. The work of wisdom. Look at chapter 2. My son, if you will receive my words and treasure my commandments within you, make your ear attentive to wisdom, incline your heart to understanding. For if you cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding. If you see her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. You know what it's saying? It's saying, if you want wisdom, if you want to know God, if you want His principles for your life, then you're going to have to work for it. This is the work of wisdom. What kind of work is it? Well, verse 4, if you seek her wisdom as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures. One of the, one of the obvious and inescapable facts of anybody who has acquired possessions, material goods, money, power, is that they have worked for it. Very, very precious few people have ever been given so much without having to work for it. Oh, there may be true that there might be families who pass money on down. But by and large, the people who work for what they receive in this life is what they receive, the result of their labors, the fruit of their labors. And this is no, this is no different. Solomon is saying to us, I want to give you an analogy about life. And this analogy is that if you work, if you search, if you diligently pursue, then you will find what you are searching for. It's just an axiomatic principle of life. If you will receive my words, he says, and treasure my commandments within you, if you make your ear attentive to wisdom, if you incline your heart, if you cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver. Do you see all those verbs there? Receiving words, treasuring commandments, attentive ears, inclining hearts, crying discernment, lifting the voice, seeking her as silver, searching for her as for hidden treasures. Rich verbs telling us all that wisdom doesn't come unless we search for it. You say, well, I thought you said that wisdom shouts from the from the housetops. It, it goes to the entrance uh, of the gates of the city and it's telling everybody publicly, acquire me, acquire me. That's true. But do you realize that there are people who are lazy, slothful, who don't go to the gates of the entrance of the city, who don't work toward finding that wisdom, and even though it's readily available, and even though wisdom is being shouted from the housetops, and even though wisdom is standing at the entrance of the city gates, and even though wisdom says, I'm readily available, there are people who walk away from it, who don't avail themselves of it, they don't work hard, they don't make their ears attentive, they don't incline their heart, they don't cry for discernment, they don't lift their voice for understanding, they don't seek her as for silver, they certainly don't search for her as for hidden treasure. And as a result, verse 5, they don't discern the fear of the Lord and they don't discover the knowledge of God. 4, verse 6, the Lord gives wisdom. From His mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He's a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice, and He preserves the way of His godly ones. And if you, if you work... If you work for wisdom, then you'll discern righteousness and justice, verse 9, and equity and every good course. 
For wisdom will enter your heart, and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will guard you. Understanding will watch over you to deliver you from the way of evil, from the man who speaks perverse things, from those who leave the paths of uprightness to walk in the day of, in the ways of darkness, who delight in doing evil and rejoice in the perversity of evil, whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. Boy, this is this is life stuff. This is the stuff of life. This is, this is what's going to help me be on the right path. But it isn't going to come to me unless I work for it. And if I don't work for it, verse 16 tells me I won't be delivered from the strange woman, from the adulteress who flatters with her words, that leaves the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house sinks down to death and her tracks lead to the dead. None who go to her return again. How wise is that? Boy, that's really wise. You need to realize that if you go to her house, if you follow her, if you step in her tracks, they lead to the dead. None who go to her return again, nor do they reach the paths of life, good life, wise life, godly life. So this is the work of wisdom. So you will walk. Walk means I have to put one foot in front of the other. I have to make it my aim. I have to pursue it with all my might. And if you do that, you'll keep the paths of the righteous. The upright will live in the land. The blameless will remain in it. But if you don't work for wisdom, then you'll be like the wicked will be cut off from the land and the treacherous will be uprooted from it. You see the warning of wisdom? It warns and warns and warns. And then it tells you, if you want me, you're going to have to work for it. But if you work for it, you're going to stand in the paths of righteousness and not be uprooted from it. That's the warning in the work. Thirdly, the wealth. The wealth, the wealth of wisdom. Chapter 3. What happens to me? What do I gain? If I work and work and work, isn't it that I'm going to receive some reward for my labor? Yes, abundantly yes. Chapter 3, verse 1. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Do you want length of days, years of life, peace? And remember, these are general principles. It's not saying that every single person will have an addition to their life of days and years. It's just a general principle. It's generally true that if you work for wisdom and if you heed its warning, you'll have days and years and peace that will be added to you. If you let kindness and truth leave you, then you won't have this. But if you are bound to kindness and truth by having it bound around your neck, if you have it written around on the table of your heart, you will find favor and good repute. That's good reputation in the sight of God and man. You'll be able to trust in the Lord with all your heart. You won't be leaning on your own understanding. You'll acknowledge Him in all your ways. He'll make your paths straight. That's a great reward. You won't be wise in your own eyes. You'll fear the Lord and turn away from evil. And have you noticed that so far, fear of the Lord has been mentioned a number of times? Fear the Lord. You'll have a healthy dread of the Lord. You'll have a, a humble fear of Him. It will be healing to your body, verse 8, and refreshment to your bones. What a reward. You'll even have a physical regeneration. Your bones, your life, your, your physical life, you'll be able to sleep, maybe sometimes even with not a lot of hours, but when you wake up, you'll be as refreshed as though you slept for hours and hours and hours on end. Because God is saying, I want my servant 
to be that kind of person who has the rewards of wisdom, and because he's working so hard to pursue wisdom, I'll multiply his sleep time. Well, what a treasure. And when you do this, here's what the Lord will do for you. If you honor the Lord from your wealth, verse 9, and from the first of all your produce, your barns will be filled with plenty, your vats will overflow with new wine. In other words, if you work hard for wisdom, if you make good, righteous judgments, then God will reward you. To what degree and how much and how far? Scripture doesn't tell us. And it may even be in the midst of some trial, some test that proves the wisdom of your heart toward your God and the righteous judgments you want to make. But one thing's for sure, if you don't reject the discipline of the Lord, verse 11, if you don't loathe His reproof, remember the warning of of wisdom, don't stand against my reproof. If you don't do that, if you don't loathe His reproof, the Lord will reprove those He loves even as a father corrects the son in whom He delights. Believe you me, even though God will chastise you because of your sinfulness, He loves you. And He will give you out of the fruit of that love. He'll give you His delights because He delights in you. Oh, how blessed, verse 13, is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. For her, that's that woman again, that wisdom's prophet, that lady of wisdom, it's better than the prophet of silver and her gain better than fine gold. She's more precious than jewels and nothing you desire compares with her. My friends, that is the truth of the Word of the living God. You will have nothing to compare with God's wisdom as you put it in your life. Nothing. Don't be deceived. Don't let Satan deceive you into thinking that there are things in this life that are to be more desired than God's wisdom. It isn't true according to God's Word. How true? In long life is in her right hand, in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways, and all wisdom's paths are peace. She's a tree of life to those who take hold of her, and happy are all who hold her fast. And then it goes into a discussion about what wisdom did and where it was in the beginning. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding, He established the heavens. By His knowledge, the deeps were broken up and the skies dripped with dew. My son, let them not vanish from your sight. Keep sound wisdom and discretion so that they will be life to your soul and adornment to your neck. In other words, if God had wisdom all the way from the beginning and if He fashioned the entire world with His great wisdom, don't you think He can take care of you? Don't you think He can take care of you? Don't you think He can care for your needs? Don't you think He has the wisdom to know what's best? Don't you know that if you do that, and if you say, I can trust God, if He's the one who fashioned by His wisdom the very beginning of creation, then God can take care of me in whatever trials and problems of life I may be experiencing. Absolutely. And it'll be so secure for you, verse 23. You will walk in your way securely and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Want to have sweet sleep? Having problems sleeping lately? Concerned about terrorist attacks? Concerned about the end of the world? Concerned about murderers, robbers, thieves? Not if you walk in the way securely. Not if you know God's wisdom. Not if you trust His sovereignty. Because when you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. 
Do not be afraid of sudden fear, nor of the onslaught of the wicked when it comes, for the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. In other words, even express wisdom toward your neighbor. When your neighbor has a need, meet that need. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come back and tomorrow I will give it when you have it with you. Do not devise harm against your neighbor while he lives securely beside you. Do not contend with a man without cause. If he has done you no harm, do not envy a man of violence. Do not choose any of his ways. In other words, don't go the opposite of the work of wisdom. Don't go the opposite of the wealth of wisdom. For the devious are an abomination to the Lord, but he is intimate with the upright. The curse of the Lord is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the dwelling of the righteous. That's a great reward. This is the reward of wisdom. This is the wealth of it. Though he scoffs at the scoffers, yet he gives grace to the afflicted. What a great reward. Uh, what, what a great value to your work, to your labor. This is the wealth of it all. The wise will inherit honor, but fools display dishonor. You'll want to know how to have the kind of wisdom that gives you the great wealth of this life. This is the chapter, Proverbs chapter 3. How about number 4, the way of wisdom? The way of wisdom. Look at chapter 4. This is the fourth principle, and it is chapter 4. This is the way of wisdom. This is, this is what wisdom tells you it's going to do for you. Hear, O sons, the instruction of a father, and give attention that you may gain understanding. For I give you sound teaching. Do not abandon my instruction. When I was a son to my father, tender and the only son in the sight of my mother, then he taught me and said to me, Let your heart hold fast my words. Keep my commandments and live. Acquire wisdom. Acquire understanding. And that's the sense of the Hebrew text. Acquire it with an exclamation point. Acquire it. Grab it. Gain it. Get it. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her, and she will guard you. This is the way of wisdom. She's going to guard you. Love her, and she will watch over you. This is, this is the way of wisdom. She's going to watch you. She's going to love you. She's going to guard you. And the beginning of wisdom is to acquire wisdom. And with all your acquiring, get understanding. Prize her, and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She'll guard you. She'll love you. She will... Do everything she can to protect you, and if you prize her, she will love you. She will place on your head, verse 9, a garland of grace. She will present you with a crown of beauty. You want to have grace flowing as a wreath on your head? Whenever you walk around, it may not always be a halo on an angel, but it will be a garland of grace on one who's looking for wisdom. That's, that's her way. That's what she does to those who follow her. Solomon goes on, verse 10, Hear my son and accept my sayings, and the years of your life will be many. I've directed you in the way of wisdom. That's why I call it the way of wisdom. There it is. I've directed you in the way. I've led you in upright paths. In other words, there is a way of wisdom, and there is a way not to go to wisdom. When you walk, your steps will not be impeded. And if you run, you will not stumble. Take hold of instruction. Don't let go. Guard her, for she is your life. Do not enter the path of the wicked, and do not proceed in the way of evil men. Avoid it. Don't pass by it. Turn away from it. Pass on, for they cannot sleep unless they do evil. Isn't that interesting? If you are a person who's pursuing wisdom, you can have sweet sleep. The evil, they have nothing of the kind. They can't even sleep unless they're doing evil. 
and they are robbed of sleep unless they make someone stumble. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. But the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn that shines brighter and brighter until the full day. What a verse. What a verse. That sounds like a memory verse, doesn't it? The path of the righteous is like the light of dawn that shines brighter and brighter until the full day. The way of the wicked is like darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Don't let them depart from your sight. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them. You want to know the way of wisdom? It's the way of life. It's health to their body. Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs or issues of life. Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put devious speech far from you. Let your eyes look directly ahead and your gaze be fixed straight in front of you. Watch the path of your feet. In other words, watch for the way of wisdom. Watch for it. Make sure you're on it and all your ways will be established. Don't turn to the right or the left. Turn your foot from evil. In other words, turn away from the way of evil and turn toward the way of wisdom. And then number five, the wonder of wisdom. Turn over to Proverbs chapter 8. Proverbs chapter 8. And you can tell, I'm just giving you the, the dump truck version. I'm just, I'm just flooding your minds with all of this truth about wisdom. This, this is the wonder of wisdom. This is the wonder of it. The warning, the work, the wealth, the way, and then the wonder of wisdom. Proverbs 8. This is the wonder of it all. This is, this is the majesty of it all. Does not wisdom call and understanding lift up her voice? Oh, top of the heights beside the way where the paths meet, she takes her stand. In other words, she just places herself right at the crossroads, besides the gates, at the opening to the city, at the entrance of the door. She cries out, To you, O oh men, I call. And can't you hear just that kind of a voice, that kind of calling out, that kind of declaration, to you, O men, I call. And my voice is to the sons of men, O naive ones, understand prudence, and O fools, understand wisdom. We might say it this way, O unsaved, simple people, understand prudence. O unregenerate fools, understand wisdom. Listen, for I will speak noble things. This is the wonder of it all. That's, that's noble. Uh, this wisdom personification, this woman, she's a noble person. And the opening of my lips will reveal right things, for my mouth will utter truth, and wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the utterances of my mouth are in righteousness. There is nothing crooked or perverted in them. They are all straightforward to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. In other words, you can never go wrong with me. Never. I'm always going to give you the straight stuff. I'm always going to give you the perfect word. Take my instruction and not silver, and knowledge rather than choicest gold, for wisdom is better than jewels, and all desirable things cannot compare with her. Do you see a pattern here? I mean, the Lord knows us so well, and He knows that in our sinfulness we're going to be pursuing money and fame and power and prestige and the lust for all of those things. Give me the cash, give me the dough, give me the stuff, give me the wisdom that I can be my own man. Nothing, nothing. And the pursuit of that could compare with the wisdom of God and His Word. It's better than jewels. 
Nothing can desire with that. Nothing can compare with that. I, wisdom, I dwell with prudence. Isn't that interesting? The personification of wisdom, it says it this way. I, as a person, I dwell with a great friend, an intimate friend whose name is Prudence. Sort of like the John Bunyan-esque kind of thing. It's two people walking along, and wisdom is walking, and they're walking arm in arm with Prudence. And I find knowledge and discretion, and they pick up knowledge and discretion on the way to the celestial city. And guess what? Verse 13, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. There it is again. Fear of the Lord. Boom, 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 boom. Telling us that's the key. Pride and arrogance and the evil way and the perverted mouth I hate. That's the opposite of wisdom. Here's the wonder of it all. Counsel is mine and sound wisdom. I'm understanding. Power is mine. By me kings reign and rulers decree justice. By me princes rule and nobles all who judge rightly. There aren't really any noble people when compared with the noblest of all, the noble of wisdom. I love those who love me, and those who diligently seek me will find me. Riches and honor are with me, enduring wealth and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, even pure gold, and my yield better than choice is silver. And you say, why do they keep repeating themselves? Why are all these verses sounding the same? Because it's so hard for us to understand with the thick noggins that we have that this is true. And we have to be reminded continually Wisdom says, I walk in the way of righteousness, in the midst of the paths of justice, to endow those who love me with wealth, that I may fill their treasuries. Want to have your treasuries filled? Want to have all kinds of wisdom at your disposal? Going back to creation, the Lord possessed me at the beginning of His way, before His works of old. From everlasting I was established. From the beginning, from the earliest times of the earth, when there were no depths I was brought forth, when there were no springs abounding with water, before the mountains were settled, before the hills I was brought forth, while He had not yet made the earth and the fields, nor the first dust of the world, when He established the heavens, I was there. When He inscribed a circle on the face of the deep, when He had made firm the skies above, when the springs of the deep became fixed, when He set for the sea its boundaries so that the water would not transgress His command, when He marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside Him as a master workman. And I was daily His delight, rejoicing always before Him, rejoicing in the world His earth, and having my delight in the sons of men. In other words, God has created it all with an infinity of complexity and design and beauty and majesty and wonder, and wisdom was there all along. God was doing it all by His precious wisdom. He was even rejoicing in the wisdom as though, again, this person was beside Him all the way, and the person was being used by God to create everything. And then it gives us this exhortation, this call as a result of what we've just now learned. Now therefore, O sons, listen to me, for blessed are they who keep my ways, wisdom's ways. Heed instruction and be wise, and do not neglect it. Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at my doorposts. For he who finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. That's, that's the wonder of it all. The wonder of it all is that the God who created everything, the God who created all this complexity, all this beauty, all this majesty, all those mountains and seas, and it goes into all the description of those things, God could have kept all that wisdom to Himself. He could have. He could have kept it all to Himself. But what He said is, not only am I personifying wisdom in my creation, I'm personifying wisdom and it's available for you. Take it, buy it, acquire it. Don't give it up. And when you find it, you find life itself. But, verse 36, he who sins against me, against wisdom, injures himself. All those who hate me love 
death. That's, that's the wonder of it all. The wonder of it all is it's there for the pickings. It's there for the taking. And yet there are those who sin against wisdom because they love their own wisdom. And they love death, and that's why they hate God's wisdom. And then lastly, the want of wisdom. The want of wisdom. Chapter 9. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out her seven pillars. She has prepared her food. She's mixed her wine. She also has set her table. She has sent out her maidens. She calls from the top of the heights of the city. In other words, there's this party going to go on. And there's this house that's been built. And there's this food that's prepared. And the wine has been mixed. And the table has been set. And the maidens are all ready to serve. And then wisdom says, whoever is naive, let him turn in here. Oh, what an invitation. What a banquet. It's ready for anybody who's foolish, anybody who's naive. To him who lacks understanding, she says, Come, eat my food and drink of the wine I've mixed. Forsake your folly and live and proceed in the way of understanding. Oh, what an invitation. You know what this is? This is an Old Testament gospel presentation. This is an Old Testament. You come to God. Come to wisdom. Come and eat at my banquet. Eat all of my food. Drink my wine. You can have me. He who corrects a scoffer gets dishonor for himself. And he who reproves a wicked man gets insults for himself. Do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. In other words, when you gain wisdom, when you acquire it, when you're reproved, you love it all the more because it's causing you to change and grow for the good. That's not what happens with a scoffer. Give instruction to a wise man and he'll still be wiser. Teach a righteous man and he'll increase his learning. And then, you guessed it, verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Repetition, repetition, repetition. I love repetition. Why? Because things either are forgetful to us or they are all too familiar. And we need to learn. For by me, wisdom says, verse 11, your days will be multiplied and years of life will be added to you. If you're wise, you are wise for yourself. And if you scoff, you alone will bear it. And then that warning again. The woman of folly is boisterous. She's naive, knows nothing. She sits at the doorway of her house on a seat by the high places of the city. In other words, just as wisdom is sitting in the same place on the top of the city gates, right there at the entrance, so is boisterous woman of folly. It's almost like they're looking at each other. And she sits on a seat by the high places of the city, calling to those who pass by, who are making their paths straight. Whoever is naive, let him turn in here. In other words, she has a request as well. Look, I know what wisdom's telling you. I know they've prepared their banquet. I know all the food is ready. I know all the wine is mixed. And I know she says, go in there. But I'm telling you, come in here to me. If you're naive, turn in here. And to him who lacks understanding, she says, stolen water is sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. In other words, in immorality terms, if you are immoral, it's okay. Stolen water, in other words, having sexual relationships with someone who is not your wife or husband is sweet. And bread eaten in secret, that means you're doing something behind closed doors that you shouldn't be doing, is pleasant. Now, honestly, anybody who looks at this can see the difference. But he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. See, that's the, that's the bait and switch. That's the part they don't tell you. That's the part that comes after the sin has occurred. That's the consequences. And they don't tell you that on the upfront. 
They, they tell you on the upfront, look, it's sweet, it's pleasant, go for it, have fun. It's going to be okay, nothing's going to come of it. It's not true. The end thereof is death. Guests are in the depth of Sheol. You go in that place, you're going to come out, not out, but down. And when you go down, it'll be in the depths of Sheol. I tell you, my friends, this is some great, great study about wisdom. Practical, down to earth, and probably summed up no better place than Colossians chapter 2, verse 2 and 3. In Christ Himself is hidden all the wisdom, all the treasure of wisdom and knowledge. It's all in Christ. It's all in Christ. Do you know Christ? This, this whole menagerie, this, this multiplicity of verses, uh, this, this whole elegant banquet of ideas is summed up in Christ. In fact, we could say it this way. All that's talked about when it's talked about the personification of wisdom is really pointing to the person of Jesus Christ because He's the embodiment of wisdom. He walked in wisdom. He lived in wisdom. He loved in wisdom. He spoke in wisdom. You want to know wisdom, you look at Christ. And when you look at Christ, you know God the Father. This is it. This is this wisdom. You want to be a wise person? You want to be a person who loves God, loves Jesus Christ? Then find this wisdom. And you're going to have to work with it, work for it all with all your heart. This is, this is what we're going to learn. And we're going to go through these passages and we're going to look at other selected Proverbs and other portions of God's Word. And we're, when we're done, going to look at wisdom in a whole new way. Father, we cannot express to You the joy that's in our hearts. We cannot thank You enough for not only creating the world in wisdom, but for telling us so plainly that this wisdom is available to us. It's available to me. It's, it's not something that's happening in some secluded place, some backdoor location, where if I gain it, I'm one of the privileged few. It's, it's something that's available to all of us. It's out there. She stands at the gate. She's telling me. And I thank you for it. And I thank you for granting it to me and to ourselves who are here, that we may be those who are not naive and foolish and scoffing and hating knowledge. Well, Lord, Lord, thank You for the warning and the work and the wealth and way and wonder and want of wisdom. We desire it. And may we be good stewards of it. And I pray You'd bless us so that we might be the disseminators of this wisdom to others. Give us this wisdom, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.